Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today is Thursday, October 15, 2020, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Ice Cube will join us to talk about his critics regarding talking with the Trump campaign and them including some of his contract with Black American language in Donald Trump's so-called platinum plan. Also, Alicia Garza uh, is going to be with Black Features Lab, is going to be joining us as well. The House Democratic Campaign Committee has launched a Black voters campaign targeting Black men in key congressional districts 19 days before the election. What the hell took so long? Essence and the Black Women's Roundtable released the results of the 2020 Power of the Sister Vote poll today. We'll share that with you. Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation to the Supreme Court is a done deal. Democrats uh, also. Why do Republicans break the rules today when it came to even 
voting on her nomination to advance it to the Senate floor. I told y'all, they have no shame. In the years half, the states have changed their laws to expand voting access to people with felony convictions, but 5.2 million people remain disenfranchised. We'll discuss that with the folks who put that uh, survey out. And State Senator Joyce Elliott of Little Rock, Arkansas, will join us to talk about her campaign for Congress. And Lorenz Tate will also be here with a preview of his new movie, Business Ethics. All that, the latest anti-Trump ads, including a banger for the Lincoln Project, dealing with Donald Trump Jr., also known as Fredo. It's time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the find. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. This week, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee boosted its black outreach campaign with a new radio ad to match print and digital ads designed to reach black voters in key congressional districts. With accompanying direct mail campaign, the DCCC will make a seven-figure investment in targeted advertising and paid communications to reach black voters in more than a dozen battleground states, including Arkansas, Georgia, Ohio, New York, New Jersey, North Carolina, South Carolina, Texas, and Virginia. Here is a sample our voices we've marched for justice we've come so far but to make this moment count our power must be felt and our votes are that power our power to create police reform that answers our demand for justice our power to deliver the health care we need when our lives are on the line our power to raise wages expand black home ownership lift up black businesses Democrats in Congress are ready to pass our agenda. Republicans are blocking it. They're even trying to block our votes. But across America, we are refusing to be silenced. We're showing up to vote in numbers never seen before. Go to IWillVote.com to make your plan to vote. That's IWillVote.com. Use your power. Vote. Paid for by DCCC. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. DCCC is responsible for the content of this advertising. To conduct research for the campaign, the committee, in partnership with the, with the Congressional Black Caucus Political Action Committee, hired black pollsters Ron Lester and Cornell Belcher. Let's talk about it with Eric Savage Wilson, host Savage Politics Podcast, Reese Colbert, Black Women Views. We'll be joined later by Greg Carr, chair of Department of Afro American Studies at Howard University. Uh, Reese, I'm sorry, what the hell took so long? I mean, seriously, they're dro- <laughs> they're, 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 dro- they're dropping this. 19 days out. Uh, hello. This is the kind of stuff you should have dropped two months ago to allow it to germinate for folks to be able to understand it. This is a criticism that black mm-hmm. people keep having. It's like, yo, you don't wait to the last second. You need to be able to do this stuff early. That way it marinates. 
Yeah, I think there's um, validity to that critique. I think right now, you know, there should be more emphasis on voter education with over 12 million people having early voted. People are sending in absentee ballots and making sure that counts rather than trying to focus on still trying to energize your base. I think people are very energized. I think obviously the Democrats have a far superior economic and all around political message to deliver to black voters. But you know, you're fighting against all of the other things that are out there that are hindering that message, such as the disinformation, misinformation, social media campaign, the algorithms, and the Republican spending. Also, the media wants to make this a horse race. And so it does, to a certain degree, feel a little belated. But at the end of the day, uh, a lot of people are very late to tune into politics. They're not people like me who follow it from uh, December 2018, when the first candidates start to, uh, you know, tease being primary candidates for the nomination. And so it's better late than never. I, I would like to see a large investment. We know that the Democrats are raising, have raised over a billion dollars in recent months. And so there's certainly money there to invest in reaching out to black voters. Um, again, uh, the, the, the issue the issue for me, Erica, is that, again, what has happened is this drops only because you begin to see polling data. That, and, and they're specifically targeting black men because you see polling data in races in North Carolina where Tom Tillis is getting 14% of the black vote the last time a Republican ran they were getting black bail vote. Uh, they were getting 5%. Uh, the race in uh, Detroit, as in Michigan as well, with John James and Gary Peters. My problem is, this is why. Folks had to believe that you weren't talking to us. You were ignoring us. And so then, uh, one of the things, and I keep saying this, I keep saying it over and over and over again. In fact, do this here. Do this here. I want y'all to play me that ad again. And I'm going to point out to y'all something that is seriously missing, that makes no sense whatsoever. Play it. We've raised our voices. We've marched for justice. We've come so far. But to make this moment count, our power must be felt. And our votes are that power. Our power to create police reform that answers our demand for justice. Our power to deliver the health care we need when our lives are on the line. Our power to raise wages, expand black home ownership, lift up black businesses. Democrats in Congress are ready to pass our agenda. Republicans are blocking it. They're even trying to block our votes. But across America, we are refusing to be silenced. We're showing up to vote in numbers never seen before. Go to IWillVote.com to make your plan to vote. That's IWillVote.com. Use your power. Vote. Paid for by DCCC, not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. DCCC is responsible for the content of this advertising. What I don't understand, um, Erica, is that Trump is running around the country taking all the credit for the First Step Act. I have said it repeatedly on this show. If you're a Democrat, what the hell are you doing? You passed it in the House. You strengthened it in the United States Senate. No mention in that. No mention in the ad that it was Democrats who wanted criminal justice reform under Obama and then Republicans blocked it. And yet when, when Donald Trump became president, the Democrats still had bipartisanship and it would not have passed without Democrats. Take credit for your own damn work. 
Yeah, Roland, and exactly what you're expressing is what many people express around the Democrat Party, is that while they are playing checkers, Republicans have been playing chess, and they've been playing it very, very dirty. When we kind of look at what we're seeing, this seven-figure investment that was dropped by the DCCC, for me, it's really kind of what I've seen over the years being involved in politics and following politics, is that we, it's much of the same. It is the same get-out-the-vote effort, that kind of jumping in two weeks before an election, sitting in church pews. Now we're in the age of COVID, so unable to do that. And just late, largely saying to what is quoted in the NPR piece that you all said as, we are the most powerful voting bloc in the Democratic Party, uh, that we still do not get that type of treatment. We are treated as um, you know, the second date, the, the second person to consider to take to the prom, not the primary person. And so this is really kind of what we've seen more from the Democratic Party. And then also not to mention that today is October the 15th. Uh, this uh, regime has successfully ensured that all data collection, all field operations around the 2020 decennial census will cease today. There are so many other issues that are uh, extraordinarily important and do impact the black community, the Democrats' most important and powerful voting bloc, that really just kind of don't go um, into the messaging. And so, again, this is something that we see more of, um, more of the same. But I would say to the citizens that, listen, there is a responsibility here that you actually make the Democrats court you that if they are going to continue to rely on us to get them across the finish line, we saw it in 2018 around Doug Jones, that there then is a mandate that we have to put on folks who are elected to office by the might and the power of black folks, where we continue to see these long lines of people sitting, bringing snacks and folding chairs, which is really nothing more than voter uh, suppression, but it's more of what black people have been used to, that we actually put a demand on this party to say you owe us and you don't owe us at the last minute, you owe us year round. All, all I am trying to lay out is that this is one of the most fundamental problems when you talk about politics. We keep saying it, Reese, don't come to us late. Don't come to us to save your ass. Mm -hmm. Don't come to us when you think that you're in trouble. One of the issues that we're dealing with, and we have shown a significant number of uh, these stories. We, we've shown lots of them. And the story that we've shown is that younger voters don't believe, 37% don't believe that their vote really makes a difference, which means you have to constantly put the work in to say, no, it does matter, and this is what it means. This is what happens when you protest it, and then folks hit the streets. This is what happens, sorry, this is what happened when you protested and the results that took place in Congress. This is what, this, this is where, and again, I, I appreciate the ad, but for me, what I wanna hear is, and again, if, I, if I'm making the argument, if I am the DCCC, and I'm making the argument to directly the voters. I say Democrats passed the George Floyd Act. Mm -hmm. Republicans in the Senate refused to, vo to vote on it. Democrats passed H.R. 4 to say the Voting Rights Act. 
Republicans would not touch it. Democrats pass. Republicans wouldn't touch it. Democrats pass. Republicans wouldn't touch it. Democrats pass. Republicans ignored it. Democrats pass. Republicans ignored it. You have to say, no, no, this is what we've done. See, for the people out there who are listening, the problem is those, the individuals who are disaffected, the individuals who say, you know what, well, um, uh, uh, y'all ain't done nothing. I mean, I, I, folks were hitting me today saying that, this is what they were saying to me. They, they, was, they were saying to me today, um, you know, all the stuff in Cube's contract with Black America, the CBC has proposed. I said, make it plain. I said, make it plain. I said, this is real simple. What you do is you say, ISQ contract with Black America, CBC, fact, this is what we proposed. I said, right. you can't think that folk already know when they actually don't know the type of things you propose. You gotta say it for them to go, wow, they did? Yes. Wow, they did? Yes. Versus these general, they're trying to take our right to vote. No, 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 no. Be specific. I totally agree with you on that. I think that Democrats undeniably do the work. They undeniably have the agenda and the receipts that clearly show that they are the party that's going to help move the black community forward. Unfortunately, like you said, there's a messaging issue. I think that Democrats rely too much on organic content, meaning uh, news media mentions and newspaper clippings and things like that. And they're losing the messaging word because we've moved past that in our society, unfortunately, with you have to have paid buys, you have to have, you have to beat the algorithms, you have to beat the different campaigns that are trying to um, deflect and, and try to um, equivocate away from what the Democrats are actually doing. And you can't underestimate or overestimate how much people are willing to seek this information out themselves. I have people who come to my threads where I'm already giving them information and they want more. And I'm like, well, what the hell do you want me? What, what more do you want me to do? At what point do you have a responsibility? But when you're trying to win elections, then you can't just throw your hands up and say, well, people got to Google it or people have to look it up on themselves. You have to brag on it. Like you said, they, the Democrats have already passed the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. I haven't heard them hardly mention that at all. Um, and yet you have Donald Trump, who's out there taking credit for the First Step Act, which, as you said, was bipartisan, partially was obstructed while Obama was president. And, and Trump's plan, his quote-unquote platinum plan, he says that he's the first president in decades to pass criminal justice reform, which is flat-out false. President Obama passed the Fair Sentencing Act in 2010. And as you mentioned, the Democrats have actually worked, actually worked to improve on the First Step Act. And so this, these are just facts of what the Democrats have done. They've passed over 400 bills that are collecting dust on Mitch McConnell's desk. They passed a second CARES Act in May that has been obstructed and thrown out the window by Mitch McConnell. And we can go on and on and on, but the Democrats have to not only communicate it, but they have to communicate it in a number of ways, which hello means memes. I'm sorry, I keep saying that. I know some people get offended when I say people get their news from memes. But when you have something that's a bullet point, it's graphic, it's catchy, more people are going to latch onto that than a PDF, which 
to uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's credit their Lift Every Voice plan is 22 pages. It's over 10,000 words. It has over 120 mentions of Black or African American compared to Trump's platinum plan, which is two pages. And one of the pages is just bullet points, and the second page is right. elaborating slightly right. on it's, the first right. page. Right. It's not even two pages. It's, it's, it's not really even two pages. No, it's really one no. page. The first really one, the one first page. one is just a graphic, yes. <laughs> yes. And so that is how, and, and yet you have a 22-page document that's on Joe Biden's website that's completely ignored, and you have people who flat out say that the, the Biden-Harris campaign doesn't have a black agenda, and they say that Trump has a black agenda. Well, at least he has something, even though it's complete bullshit propaganda. And so that is how the Republicans are winning the messaging war, despite being completely hostile towards the black community, despite thwarting every single right that we have. With Amy Coney and Barrett on the court, they're going to roll back the Voting Rights Act. They're going to roll back all of our civil rights. And then some, and yet you still have a good swath, too far many black people who believe that there's no difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. And they actually, some even think that Republicans, or Donald Trump specifically, is going to do more for black people than Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. That is a messaging failure. And I don't think that it's intentional. I don't think that it's neglectful. I just think that they have to understand that you need graphics, you need social media engagement, you need to be purchasing these things, and you have to think even bigger than what you've been doing if you want to break through and to these different communities. Like, for instance, so there's, there's somebody named Jonathan Brown on my YouTube channel who's lying. He said, Biden has a minority agenda, not a black agenda. No, it actually it's, it says black. Jonathan, you're a liar. You're a liar. It says black 122 times. In Trump's uh, platinum plan, it says black 28 times. 122, 28. How do you get a plan that says black 122 times, does not have a black agenda, but a plan that's two pages barely and says it 28 times has a black agenda? But this is where you also have a problem with people who refuse to accept facts. And so that's another hindrance that the Democrats have. Unfortunately, that's a societal problem. That's how people was raised. That's how people are conditioned. I don't know if they can fix that with $100 million in ad buys. But we have a disconnect between reality and facts. And we live in a post-truth, alternative fact society where people have one set of criteria for the Democrat and one set of criteria for the Republican. Uh, we're going to get into this a little bit later. But I had some other fool who said... Uh, oh, so we're supposed to be against $500 billion for blacks because it's coming from Trump. Reese, that, that's a lie. Don, Donald Trump's so-called platinum plan does not say $500 billion for blacks. That is no. a flat-out, undeniable lie. Right. There's a bullet point that says access to $500 billion in capital. When you actually look at the plan, there are several numbers that are outlined in the plan. One number is $400 billion. You know what that refers to? That refers to the entire infrastructure budget. What Donald Trump is asserting is that, well, we're going to increase the infrastructure budget by $60 billion, and Black people are going to get all these jobs. That's not a Black agenda. That's not a set-aside. That's not any kind of thing that, that that even amounts to 400 billion or 500 billion dollars. If you actually look at the numbers outlined in the in the Lift Every Voice plan compared to the numbers outlined in the Platinum plan, there is far more money for black people and specifically black communities like and, and, and things like HBCUs and things of that nature than there actually is 
and the Trump plan, but because people don't look at the details, the devil's in the details, they get distracted by, again, the graphic. It says glaringly $500 billion. They get distracted by the bullet points. When you have 22 pages over here, they just latch on to that. When the reality is it's propaganda and it's just it's just a word that has no meat and no commitment behind it. Um, again, what, what you're dealing with here, Erica, you're dealing with a messaging battle. And I'm going to say it again, that if you're the Democratic Party, you better understand your messaging on these issues can't just exist within an election framework. Because when you don't, when you wait, what you do is you allow other things to set in, to lock in, and it's harder to get people out of the disinformation lies as opposed to you having a constant 24-7, 365 strategy. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, the platform that I launched three years ago, specifically it, the Savage Political Bite, that's what I've been doing for a year, talking to people three days a week, talking to them specifically about their vote, how they can engage their vote, and making the connection that all politics is not only local, but it's also very personal. Getting people engaged, getting people informed, because when people are informed, they engage and they stand in their power. And that is the formula that I preach, that I'm always imprinting on the people that do tune in and they do uh, listen to that show. And that is what I said in the last statement that I made, that it is not about this two-week, what has generally been this two- to three-week get-out-the-vote campaign, specifically around Black voters. When you look at media and the way that they dissect voters, you hear terms like, the working class, specifically the white working class. You hear terms like the suburban mom, where even though uh, black folks and people of color are heavily populated within those communities, they're talking specifically about white women. You hear all the disaggregation of other groups that are not black, but when it comes to the black voter, it is just the black voter. And what the Democratic Party has continued to fail on is really talking specifically to the black voter, as I said moments ago, year-round, not the last two weeks, last three weeks of an election. And then in addition to that, what also needs to happen around um, Black people in voting and messaging is also making sure that they are folded into the conversations that are not just about criminal justice reform. We are affected by climate change. With the onset of COVID, and we look at um, the head of the secretary um, of uh, the EPA and all of the rollbacks that happen right at the mm -hmm. beginning of COVID, those rollbacks and waivers that companies were able to receive to continue to pollute communities disproportionately impacted black and brown communities. And so when people are actually made aware of these uh, uh, different social uh, determinants of health that continue to impact black and brown communities when they are talked to and not talked at, and then when there's not a labor of messaging that's put on people who aren't paid to do it. Um, think of, just thinking about um, people who have a sense of concern and sense of urgency about their community that do uh, launch platforms, that do take the time to really uh, dissect different um, pieces that may be kind of very broad on its face, to make people more aware, to again, bring them into the fold as it concerns their politics. And so that is something that the black um, that the Democratic Party is going to have to um, step it up on is not in, um, depending on unpaid labor of black people, specifically black women that really do care and carry communities, 
but really folding us into a year-round, every-year campaign so, of talking and messaging to Black voters. All right, so for all y'all out there, okay, with that lying $500 billion for Black people, this right here is the actual so-called platinum plan. This is it right here, okay? Let me zoom in on the $500 billion for black people since y'all think we lying. This is the only reference to $500 billion. It says, seek infrastructure funding that will lead to widespread growth in the annual $500 billion federal contracting opportunities. Yes, exactly. Let, 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 let me say it again. That Y'all, that ain't got nothing to do. That is not, we're going to invest $500 billion in black communities. At all. Period. That has nothing. So for all y'all saying the plan has $500 billion for black people, that is a lie. Uh-uh, go back. Here's the other deal. This is what it says. Increase opportunities for small business lending and technical assistance through community development financial institutions in order to grow business and create generational wealth opportunities with over $400 billion in lending. Okay? They are not... That does not say they are going to create $400 billion in lending. Right. Y'all, that, that's not what that says. No. That's not what it says. In order to grow business and create generational wealth opportunities with over $400 billion in lending. Uh, who's actually getting that? Who, see, th that's, that's the deal. See, so when y'all fall for the okey-doke, when you fall for the okey-doke, and, and same thing, and I, and I broke it down in here, and we're going to deal with mm -hmm. it in a minute when Ice Cube comes on, champion federal policy reforms to advance home ownership initiatives. What the hell is that? <laughs> what, 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 what the hell is that? That, that, that actually says nothing. What, says what are your current housing plans right now? What did you do when black home ownership dropped to 40%? Mm-hmm. See, this is why I call this the aluminum foil plan. Mm -hmm. This is why I right. painted it, because it's BS. And folks are oh, Trump got a platinum plan. Because he think when y'all hear platinum, you thinking all of a sudden some bottles going to be popping and yeah. some women going to walk out with little sparkles, sparkly things all flying on top yeah. of it. And it's like, ooh, the platinum plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. That's not what it no. is. No. Uh, yeah. It's not what it is. All right, folks, yesterday, Essence of the Black Women's Roundtable uh, actually released their uh, sixth, sixth annual Power of the Sister Vote poll. The poll is conducted annually to gauge the political concerns, attitudes, and opinions of black women across the country and identify what black women want for their vote from presidential candidates in 2020. Joining us right now is Melanie Campbell, president of the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation and convener of the Black Women's Roundtable, plus Dr. Avis Jones-Weaver, senior analyst for Black Women's Roundtable Resource Development. All right, Melanie, exactly what does this survey say uh, black women want? Can't hear you, <laughs> Melanie. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Unmute. 
Apologize for there that. There you go. Go ahead. Now, first of all, I just want to say thank you. I was following you and while you were in Texas and Dallas and Houston and all over the place and getting that vote out and sharing uh, just how our folks was, uh, would not be moved. So I just wanted to say that to you. Appreciate and it. Thank you all you're doing to make sure our people show up and show out and, and, and get our vote. Uh, uh, counted. Uh, well, six years with partner with Essence. And so the number one issue, cross generations, again, three years in a row, racism, rising hate crimes were number one. Number two, criminal justice and policing reform. Number three, affordable health care. Uh, and a couple other things that were, and, and it was all about survival, safety, and stability were top black community concerns for black women. And when it came to what they want the candidates to address the, uh, uh, for our vote, and that's a question we asked them, uh, one that has a plan to reduce structural and systemic racism was 49%, policing and criminal justice reform, 45%, plans to eradicate uh, COVID-19 was 30%. So the issues uh, for these last three years under this administration uh, went from uh, the first three years, they were more aspirational, if you will. We, we were focused on affordable uh, college, uh, uh, you know, college uh, affordability and things that had to do with uh, that were, again, aspirational. But in these last three years, uh, this is not a, 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 uh, a society these days that we're living in the United States that is not, it's not covert racism, it's outright racism, it's outright white, white nationalism. And we're seeing that um, across the board and it's coming from the top. And so that's why we uh, see this when it comes to what black women are thinking uh, about what their concerns are. Supreme Court is on the top of the list as well. A concern, 63% of black women have a concern about what was going on with the Supreme Court. Um, and then I'd like to, and then, um, so those were some of the top lines that Avis may have some others she definitely would, would share. Avis? Yeah, I think what was really, to me, really striking to us is that over and over and over again, this issue of safety and survival kept coming up in the survey in various ways. So, for example, in past years, we might have seen a little bit of a difference between how um, more seasoned women would respond in terms of their most critical priorities and how younger generations like millennials and Zs might respond. But that wasn't the case this year, by and large. All women across various different age demographics, their number one concern for them in terms of their communities, as well as their number one concern with regards to their specific families and their personal issues that impacted their lives, was this issue of having to, of this issue of the rise in hate crime and racism uh, in America. We see that as a mortal threat for our community at large and for us personally. I think another key issue that I think that the Democrats need to take uh, notes on uh, is this issue of how black women are feeling with regards to how well the Democratic Party is serving their interests. Uh, we are seeing, once again, a bit of a uh, a generational shift there, uh, where older women are more likely to say that than younger women. However, we are seeing that Democrats have been able to improve a great deal from last year when we did this survey with regards to young women's perceptions of the party uh, being able to represent their interests. So it, it, that, to me, tells me that a lot of our younger younger women, our Gen Zs, our millennials, they really want to. They really want to see policy change. You know, they are really about the substance. And at the end of the day, 
black women really are very pragmatic voters. They want to make sure that the person that they vote for moves on those issues that they care about, like attacking systemic racism, uh, like making sure that this COVID crisis is addressed with a cogent party, um, cogent policy, and also making sure uh, that we are able to address this issue of criminal justice and policing reform. You know, these are key issues that are important for black women voters, and I would argue that they are important for the entire black community. Um, Melanie, one of the things that, uh, when, again, when we look at uh, how folks vote, I mean, at the end of the day, black women are no different from anybody else. If you speak to us and our issues, then mm -hmm. we are going to vote accordingly. The argument, right. the argument that I was making even a little bit early with those DCCC ads that they're dropping now in targeted congressional districts 19 mm -hmm. days out is you need to be talking to and speaking to and messaging 24 7, 365, so you're not trying to play catch up around election time. Uh, of course. I will say uh, that some of the sisters I know that are in, in the inside of the party have been working hard for the past year. The Wakinias and the um, uh, uh, Clanton uh, and um, uh, and, and other sisters that are inside of the par party. Because, you know, uh, Roland, I know you, you had me on uh, when Glenda Carr and we all signed that letter. And I think that was two years ago. And so one of the things, and we had several meetings and, and, and seeing a lot more happened, at least from the, I can't speak off of the DCCC because we know how it gets, depending on which committee it gets in the weeds about it. But with the DNC, I can say that some of those sisters that are in there getting it uh, have been grinding for well over a year, if not longer. Oh, no, no, really no, 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 no. The, 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 the sisters in the party have right. been grinding, but let's yeah. just be real clear. The problem is that those who are in the, the decision-making positions who determine where the assets go, who determine those various things, that's the problem. A, a, a consistent problem, and I, I and I would say that I hope that it, that some of that has improved. Uh, I stay on this nonpartisan side, so I, especially this time of year. So I haven't, I don't really say I have a handle on what's happening on the partisan side of politics. I keep my firewall up to make sure that we do what we need to do on the nonpartisan well, side. I, well, I got, I well, well, I, well, I got one. I got one. I ain't, I ain't got to play nobody's side. I get to I call. I, I get to call out anybody and everybody. But the but the, but the, but the bottom line is this here, and, and what and what I'm saying is, is you have to let folks know what you're doing. Look, I've been telling the CBC that I have told the CBC, the CBC Foundation, the CBC mm -hmm. PAC, the CBC Institute. Don't nobody know what the hell y'all doing. You can't if you yeah. don't message, if you don't communicate. Folk just don't know. The average person really does not know what a member of Congress does. They just think, well, I ain't seen you pass no bills, not realizing that you can have a profound impact on policy and you won't put your name on nothing. I think, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head right there, Roland. Uh, you know, first of all, let me just say, putting on my independent entrepreneurial hat here, that definitely <laughs> the, 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 the Democratic Party needs a ton of help with messaging. I completely agree with that. And I also agree with what you just said about, uh, you know, a lot, oftentimes when people are, are busy in their everyday lives, they really have no idea, really, uh, who's responsible for what's happening on Capitol Hill that ultimately trickles down to impact their lives. Like, you will hear a lot of people, maybe someone who'll be coming on your show in a few minutes, who will try to be saying things about how Barack Obama didn't, didn't do anything for black people. And I would want to ask him, what the hell does he think 
that uh, Donald Trump has been deconstructing for his first three years in office. He's been going through every policy and every institute, every department of this government that you can imagine, deconstructing all of the things that President Obama did. You know why? Because he was busy working. He wasn't busy on some basic uh, sort of commercial acts um, in terms of marketing about everything that he was doing in the same way that this marketer-in-chief is doing right now with his platinum slash tinfoil plan. So what, what I want people to understand is that oftentimes you're exactly right. A lot of things that go on goes it's, it's kind of invisible because we aren't really made aware of it at the time. And that's exactly why we're seeing this shift in our poll, because we saw that under the Obama administration, black women's uh, priorities were more aspirational. At that right. time, they prioritized things like making college more affordable, making public education uh, a, a more quality experience for all children. But right now, under the Trump administration, they're just trying to live. Their priorities are now not getting killed by a racist. Their priorities now is not getting killed by Got the it. police. Their priority now is being able to go into the hospital if they happen to contract coronavirus. So when things are going well, sometimes we don't even see all the things that people are doing for us that are elected officials that are making a difference in our lives. So the um, so final point, Melanie, what what uh, mm -hmm. in about 30 seconds, what more should people know about this particular plan, this uh, survey? Well, it's, it, it, I could say to Tasha, all those who uh, need the black vote, black women's vote, if you want to know what black women want, go check us out with unitycampaign.org. But I can't leave this thing it's, uh, without saying part of this is not just to uh, do this for for an exercise, but also to make sure that we have a, a, a roadmap on the things that we know we're going to be focusing in on to hold elected officials accountable, whoever gets elected in 2021. And again, at Make sure that you have a vote plan. Stay in those lines. Don't we know they're trying to steal our vote? We're not going to have it on our watch. Have a plan. Make sure you have a plan. Know where you need to go vote and go vote early or, or, or get ready on election day. And that and then so thank you, Roland. And again, thank you for all you were doing uh, and to continue to get the message out to our people. All right, certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Uh, Melanie Campbell and Dr. Avis Jones-Weaver. We appreciate it. Thanks Thank a lot. You. Going to a Thank commercial you. break. When we come back, we'll talk with Ice Cube. We'll just talk about uh, his contract with Black America, the Trump campaign, saying that he helped them with their platinum plan and all of the criticism that he has been receiving. That is next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. And I think that's why what we're seeing so much, especially when you look at you know who's controlling the country and how the country is being controlled, it is because you know the powers that be and those that know how the system works are taking advantage of the system for their own interests. So part of it, when it comes to this millennial generation, is education. You got to understand why it's so important. Understand what's really at stake. So the things that you're seeing that they may be seeing right now that make you angry, here's how you can affect change. asking me about terms some of the pocket squares that I wear now I don't know Robert don't have one on now I don't particularly like the white pocket squares I don't like even the silk ones and so I was reading GQ magazine a number of years ago and I saw uh, this guy who had this this pocket square here and it looks like a flower uh, this is called a shibori pocket square this is how the Japanese manipulate the fabric to create this sort of flower effect so I'm going to take it out and then place it in my hand so you see what it looks like and I said man this is pretty cool 
cool. And so I tracked down, the, it took me a year to find a company that did it. Uh, and so uh, they basically about 47 different colors. And so I love them because, again, as men, we don't have many accessories to wear. So we don't have many options. Uh, and so this is really a pretty cool uh, pocket square. Now, what I love about this here is you saw uh, when it's uh, in, in the pocket, you know, it gives you that flower effect like that. But if I wanted to also, unlike other, because if I flip it and turn it over, it actually gives me a different type of texture. And so, therefore, it gives me a different look. So there you go. So uh, if you actually want to uh, get one of these Shibori pocket squares, we have them in 47 different colors. All you got to do is go to rollingthismartin.com forward slash pocket squares. So it's rollingthismartin.com forward slash pocket squares. All you got to do is go to my website uh, and you can actually uh, get this. Now, for those of you who are members of our Bring the Funk fan club, there's a discount for you to get our pocket squares. That's why you also got to be a part of our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, and so that's what we want you to do. And so it's pretty cool. So if you want to jazz your look up, you can do that. In addition, uh, y'all see me with some of the feather pocket squares. My sister who's a designer. She actually makes these. They're all custom made. So when you also go to the website, you can also order one of the customized uh, feather pocket squares uh, right there at rollingsmartin.com forward slash pocket squares. So please do so. And of course, uh, it goes to support the show. And again, if you're a Bring the Funk fan club member, you get a discount. This is why you should join the fan club. Has been, has been a busy 24 hours for Ice Cube since uh, Republicans supporting Trump sent this tweet out yesterday. Uh, this went out from Deontay Johnson. So Ice Cube has officially given the Trump campaign permission to reveal that he has been helping us develop President Trump's groundbreaking black Trump platform, the Platinum Plan. Katrina Pearson, he was also, ha also had this here. Shout out to Ice Cube for his willingness to step up and work with Donald Trump administration to help develop the Platinum Plan. That has caused a lot of people. Uh, to be very critical of Ice Cube. Many call him a turncoat and all kind of other names. And so as opposed to sitting here having people just talk about it, we said we'll talk to him. He joins us now. Uh, glad to have you back on Roller Martin Unfiltered, Ice Cube. So let, let, let's start this way. Um, when, when they say you worked with them to develop the Platinum Plan, what does that actually mean? What did you do? Who did you talk to? Well, what they did, they had a plan. Uh, their plan is the platinum plan. My plan is the contract with Black America. So they they had their platinum plan, and they saw uh, things in the contract with Black America that were directed, uh, you know, directly to Black Americans, and not just to all minorities, and. Um, they asked to speak with us. Um, I, I always told everybody, as soon as we finish the contract with Black America, or not finished because it's still a growing uh, document, I told everybody that I was going to meet with both sides, and I don't know why they didn't believe me. Um, this is not a partisan issue. It's actually a bipartisan issue. And we have to... Um, um, uh, talk to people who have the power to make things happen. Now, they asked to speak to me so I can explain some of my concepts of the contract with Black America. 
Who, 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 who is they? Was it Donald Trump? Was it his campaign team? Was it officials in the White House? Who's they? I've never, I've never met Donald Trump a day in my life. Got it. And I've never been to the White House. Okay, so it was people on his campaign. Um, this chick who put out the tweet, it wasn't her. I never met her either. I don't even know who she is. Katrina Pearson. You, you don't know who that but, is. Never met her. No, I've Got never it. met her. Okay. But, but, but the thing is this. They looked at the contract with Black America, and they saw that their plan was lacking, and they they wanted to implement some of the things from the contract with Black America into their plan. And I said, you're welcome to do it. And uh, I would say the same thing to the Biden campaign. They're welcome to do it. Some great ideas. I haven't you know, seen too many people disputing the contract with Black America. Everybody understand that it's needed and it's necessary. So... Uh, I don't mind anybody in the public sector or in the private sector uh, using parts of it, asking me about it, uh, asking for me to, under, uh, to understand, you know, what am I talking about when it comes to um, trying to not count us as minorities, but to count us as, you know, pretty much a protected race. And uh, so I think we're being buried under a lot of words like, uh, minority and people of color and things like that. Now, their plan is still their plan. It's not my plan. Their plan, like all of them, don't go far enough. Uh, all, all of them can be better. But these are just the facts of what happened. This is uh, uh, the, the Biden campaign basically said, you know, we love 85% of your plan, but we want to talk after the election. That's fine. I'm willing to talk after the election. Um, I just think both sides of the aisle need to take this serious. So, uh, what did they? What's in their plan that that they actually took from yours? Because I've gone through their plan line, line by line, and be perfectly honest with you, I, I don't see what even what's in the plan they released. It even mirrors what's in yours. Well, like I said, you know, both plans between both parties are lacking. Um, so, you know, this is what they did. Um, you know, you have to look at the contract with Black America and see where the overlap is. Um, but, you know, the thing that, that uh, what I tried to make them understand is, you know, they have programs and both parties have programs that are built for minorities and people of color and diversity and urban and these words that don't include us because we... They include us, but we only get a small portion right. most of the time of these programs. So we have to train all politicians that we are black people, black Americans. Most of, um, and, and I'm specifically talking about the descendants of slavery, and we have to be dealt with, uh, or, or uh, uh, our concerns have to be rectified as that and right. as a blanket um, thing with all other minorities. That puts us under 100% of the population here. Um, and but, but, I don't know if we can ever get up out of that. But, but, but with your contract, it, li it lists these 13 um, uh, different points here. And again, in their plan, what do you see in the platinum plan they released that, mentions any, that, that mirrors anything that's in yours? Uh, you know, you got, you know, if I'm looking at it, 
um, agreeing to direct VC money um, to black investment um, companies up to $40 billion. Um, See, a lot of people have been talking about this $500 billion. That's not going to black people. In fact, that's just actually the infrastructure funding program. That, that's, that's, that's not actually $500 billion going to black people. Um, and, then, and then when they say... Well, how, 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 many billion, how many billion is the other one given to black people? No, 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 no. That's not... No, I'm saying this. That's not even... They, they list this thing under Black Economic Empowerment and Access to Capital. It says, seek infrastructure funding that will lead to widespread growth in the annual $500 billion federal contracting opportunities. Even that line right there is not for black people. That's federal contracting opportunities for everybody. So that's not... So they're trying to make it sound like, oh, $500 billion to black people. It's not. That's the actual annual program overall for everybody. Yeah, I understand what you see in that. But it's really up to us to try to direct that money to black people. Right, 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 right. Not, but, but, but that's a difference. Not, if we're not in contact or not talking to the, uh, or a certain administration um, because we're on another team and, and um, they win, then we... What do we do? Just sit back and wait? Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I, I agree with you 100% on that because well, I'm... All, a, of them, all of them got flaws in their plan. All of them got holes in their plan. Like I said, they put out this stuff, not me. Um, right. I, I'm just I'm just trying to find... And told them what I think. And so from there, you know, uh, you know, they ran with it and did what they wanted to do with it. That's not really my concern. My concern more is making sure that both of these candidates understand that this money has to be directed to black people. It's a lot of language in both uh, plans that are iffy, tricky, and, you know, are there really to make sure we don't get the money. So it's, it's really up to people to engage and make sure that that money go where it's supposed to go. But, you know, I agree. You know, we've been lied to for a long time, you know, for, for 400 years or more. And so... You know, one thing I know is we have to do something different. And, you know, one thing is never being uh, too um, one-sided, hard-headed, proud to speak to whoever's in power. You know, every great man in the world has spoke to somebody in power at some point in time, whether they agree with him or not. But but he, but, so, he, you know, but, but he, 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 right. So, for me, I told everybody what I was going to do, and I did it. And, you know, they exploited it. But if I would have, you know, did something for Biden, they would have exploited it, too. So that's just part of the game. The thing is this. The thing is to get movement. The thing is to, to make sure that we move the needle um no matter who's elected, I agree. Our pro our program has to be pushed through. So non-dialogue 
to me is I, I'm not, is not I, how, no, 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 here's the deal. Not I, how you do it. Here's the deal, Cube. I'm not against dialogue. I sat in two meetings with Trump and with other television anchors as well. I've been challenging them. Well, I want you to come talk to black media. I know of other African-Americans who've been meeting with them on PPP, on other issues as well. The, 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 the thing for me is this here. I, I, I judge folks on what you do. And what I look at is Donald Trump goes to Atlanta, makes this big old announcement about his platinum plan, and I'm sitting there going. So, for instance, I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up. Uh, when, I, when, when, I, when I see this plan, and then I see in here uh, where uh, he goes, make Juneteenth a national holiday. Well, first of all, that could have happened in July, but Senator Rob Johnson of Wisconsin stood up and blocked it in the Senate. Donald Trump said nothing, tweeted nothing, did nothing. He said in here uh, also uh, about the anti-lynching bill. Same thing, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky stood up, blocked it in the Senate. Donald Trump, Donald Trump said nothing, did nothing. He in here talks about prosecute the KKK and Antifa. Hell, when they had the debate with Joe Biden, he, 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 he tried to shut Joe Biden down when he was quoting Christopher Ray, the FBI director, who said the greatest threat of terrorism in America is white domestic terrorism. But the thing is, when I was sitting here, and again, I spent, I, I, I looked in, in May, no, 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 hold on one second, but no, no, but here's my point. In May, in May, in May, when the Biden uh, lift every, and this is what it's called, the lift every voice, the Biden plan for black America, I went through the entire plan and broke it down. Then I went through the Trump platinum plan and broke it all down. The issue for me, the issue for me is that when it comes to Trump's plan, there's no specificity. There just simply isn't. Even when you talk about programs, when I, I will say when I, go, yeah. I will say when I go through Biden's pro program, when he's talking about st state small business credit initiative, expand new markets tax credit, uh, improve and expand the SBA programs that most effectively support uh, black-owned businesses, and laying things out that are specifics, that's the deal. I'm looking at a 22-page plan from Biden and a one-page plan for Trump, and I'm sitting there going, eh. And I went through Trump's plan. I'm like, there's nothing there. It's a, it's a lot of words. Not really, because it's only one page. Mm -hmm. But the deal is, I'm like, dude, you being the president, you want to make this whole deal how you ushered in economic prosperity, which really all started under Obama beginning in 2010, uh, but, it, but it is lacking. Do you believe that the Trump campaign greatly overstated your involvement for the purpose of them being able to say, we have attached ourselves to Ice Cube. Did you believe that you, that you were used politically for their purposes as opposed to really what happened? Look, I knew whoever I engaged with would use that politically. I don't care about that part. The part I care about is getting something done. Look, my plan is called the contract with Black America. So all of them lacking when it comes to that. So that's what I'm pushing. So anybody who's going to implement those plans into their plan, then um, I'm going to take a look at it. But both plans are lacking, and that's why we become educated voters, for real. And then you pick who you want to pick. Um, but at the end of the day, for us not to engage uh, with, with both sides of the aisle to fix this, which I think is an American problem, um, that to me ain't going to help us in the end. Uh, what's going to help us is once we, you know, realize how much power we have. Now, you said that, of course, Trump didn't stop all these things or didn't mention these things. Okay, maybe it was before he knew he needed the black vote as much as he do. You never know. This is what deals are made of. So I don't know what they're going to do. 
No, 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 no. That's actually, actually that's, that's not the case. And hold on. I, no, I, I can tell you personally. No, no, no. Hold up. You said before you the black vote. I just want to just correct something, Ice Cube. I'm going to let you finish. I just want to correct something. I met with the White House in 2018. They told me directly in 2018, we think we can get 20% black male support in the 2020. So it didn't, they were fully aware of that. Why'd you meet with them? Why'd huh? you meet with them? I'm a journalist. Why'd you meet with them? I'm a journalist. What'd you meet with them to talk about? I'm a journalist. I met with them to talk about public policy issues, to ask them very, okay, those various public questions. public policy issues, and the right. thing was to get 20% of the vote. No, right. Accord, 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 okay. No, they, 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 they said, no, 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 not 20% of the vote. Did they think they was going to get that for free? Right. Well, they, no, this is what they said. They said they believe they could get 20% of the black male vote, and they specifically said they were going to use criminal justice reform and economic policies Why as they Why did they think they can get 20% of the black male vote? Why do they think that? Because they said they think that they can appeal to disaffected black men. They, they the point okay. blank, they know why, black why women, they, black women don't like them. Why can they appeal to that demographic? Who's not appealing to that demographic? How, how can they swoop in and get it? Who? That should have been covered. What do you mean? This is what I'm asking. How can they swoop in and get something that's supposed to be covered? Well, first of all, it, it, well, that's not the case because in, first is, in 2012, uh, between Obama and Romney, there was a nine-point gap between black men and black women who voted for Obama and Romney. In 2013, with Trump and Hillary Clinton, that expanded to 13%. Now, when you look at 2020, they believe that, oh, we think there's an opportunity here for us to be able to appeal to black men uh, on economic policies because they say black women can't stand well, it. Well, it's not being done for black men in this country that the, the number is growing. Because, first of all, because the difference between black men and black women, black men are more likely to be... Why don't the No, no, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You asked the question, I'm going to answer it. Because black, this is from focus groups, from polling data. Black men are more appealed by Trump's anti-immigration position than black women. That's one. That's one of the issues there. One of the issues that we also see is that We've seen where black men feel as if the Democrats have appealed more to black women than black men. Thirdly, Donald Trump, by touting the First Step Act, saying he got criminal justice reform done and Democrats didn't, which is actually a lie, the mistake that Democrats have made is they haven't taken credit for the First Step Act because if the Democrats don't pass it in the House, it actually don't get done. And so they see an opportunity to be able to target black men who are disaffected by both parties by peeling to their pocketbooks, their 401ks, by using tax policy, and that's what their strategy is. So what's the Democrat strategy to target black men? And that's one of the things that I've been challenging them on as well by saying, when you have a problem, when you see nine points in 2012 to go to 13 points in 2016, and it might go to 20, you got a problem, so you better focus on that and shore it up, which means you better speak to those issues, speak to those men, having those surrogates doing it, but also speaking to the policies. I've been covering this, this very issue when it comes to these black men for months. Now, if Democrats haven't done it, now folks are sort of trying to pay attention now, but I, I actually was having talking to Tom Perez and the DNC about this four years ago. So I, I, gotta, I gotta ask you this shit too, because you're on that particular point there. So I, I got an email from someone and they said, they said, why is Ice Cube only uh, talking about this contract now? Where, so the person wanted me to ask, where was Ice Cube doing the primary? Where was he in 2018? How do you answer people um, who say that? I was I, I was doing I was actually just you know being an artist 
you know, rapping, thinking all this stuff was covered, thinking people that actually was in power was out doing their job, making sure they had something specifically for black people to win. And when I looked up, I realized all this stuff is not specifically for black people. It's for minorities. It's for people of color. It's for everybody but us. So, you know, I had to kind of take it upon myself to do something that was strictly for black people and write something up with some very smart, uh, educated people and uh, come up with a plan. It all happened after George Floyd was killed. So that's where I've been. Mm-hmm. And and I wouldn't have to do it if it was being done. But but you actually... Know, it, where, it, where, has this, where has this contract been, I, you know, since the 60s? Since the 60s, we've had over 7,000... Hello? No, 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 you're on. Go ahead. I'm, I'm listening. Since you're on. Since the 60s, we've had over 7,000 uh, black people elected in office uh, in high positions throughout this country, over 7,000, and we haven't moved an inch. I'm, I'm, so I'm... Don't, don't ask me where, where have I been. The question is, where the hell are you at? Well, here's the deal, though. I, I wanna, I wanna, on, on that particular point, I want to bring in Alicia Garza, co-founder of Black Voters Matter. She also is with the Black Features Lab. Uh, Q, you may not be aware of this. You may, you may be aware. They put out this massive black census project. Uh, they surveyed, if I'm correct, Alicia, some 30,000 African-Americans. Uh, they put this whole thing together. How long are they taking? When did y'all release this, uh, Alicia? Uh, we released it in 2019. So, uh, so Q, here, here, was a, here was this initiative... That, that they put together, and, and I would love, and again, when we had you on last time and Reese was talking about uh, the lack of stuff when it comes to black women, and you said, hey, you love to hear from her. Uh, I would love for the two of you to actually uh, talk about this because both of you want to really achieve the same thing, and that is achieve things for black people. Uh, and so, Alicia, go right ahead. If you have a question for Ice Cube, Q, you've got a question for Alicia, go ahead. Hey, Cube, how you doing? Pretty good. Good. So, I mean, I guess my first question would be, you know, there is, we're in the midst of an incredible movement moment. Folks are all over the country, uh, have been organizing for over seven years, if not longer, trying to turn Black Lives Matter into a, a, a movement that can impact not just protests, but also policy. I did have a chance to read both versions of the contract with Black America, and I'm just curious, are there activists or organizers in this movement that you've been connected to who have been doing some of this legislative advocacy and policy advocacy work? Yeah, we connected with uh, ADOS, ADOS, and uh, you know we we helped get a bill passed in California. Governor uh, Gavin Newsom passed AB thirty one twenty one, which starts the conversation about reparations in California. Um, so, um, we have been connected with, uh, you know, a grassroots organization. We want to connect with as many grassroots organizations who are not connected to any other, um, so-called powers that be strictly grassroots. And we definitely want to connect with them. People who definitely have no ulterior motives, who really just want to see money get in the hands of the people who built this country and, and, and the ancestors and family of the people that built this country. Do you think that 
Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization, because I know for the last year I've been getting death threats. I have security now 24-7 because Donald Trump and his administration has been targeting me and Patrice and Opal and thousands of other activists across the country. I understand what you're saying about trying to talk to the people in power, but I think there is a difference here in terms of who we align ourselves with, and I can't at all say that I take a neutral stance here. You haven't endorsed Donald Trump explicitly, but I, I am just curious about how you meet those things and how you match those things. How do you match put what? forward a black agenda with a president that is attacking black people, attacking black organizers, attacking black activists, and literally daring and threatening to throw us in jail for the organizing that we've been doing? Well, you know, I mean, both candidates, you know, have their record um, of what's, what's, what they've done to black people. Uh, you can look at them and, and, and see them out. I don't think Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization. You know, so that that's what I think. You know, what the president think uh, about Black Lives Matter, you know, that that's his personal problem. You know, right now we feel that somebody's going to be the president. I would love to work with both parties. I'm not uh, against uh, the Biden campaign or nothing like that. Whoever becomes a president, I, I would definitely uh, be pushing this program on them. And not only the presidents, but Congress people, senators, uh, private sector, um, you know, you name it. If you go through the contract, you could probably come up with a a list of about 500 companies we can talk to about this situation. So um, the thing is, what I don't think is healthy for black people is to uh, automatically jump on one side, and if the other side loses, we just wait for four years to engage and hope our side win. It's time for us to, to let both sides understand this is a bipartisan issue like anything else going on in America. Uh, Keep. I gotta ask you this. I wanna ask you this here, uh, because um, 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 you talked about reaching out to people. Did you connect with the Congressional Black Caucus at all? Because uh, they reached out, they reached out, after they saw what happened yesterday, they reached out to me, um, and, and they sent me this, they sent me this, they sent me, go to my iPad, guys, come on. Uh, Platinum Plan versus- I see anything. Okay, no, no, I, 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 right, no, no, I was talking to the control room. Right, I, I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read it to you. Uh, platinum plan versus contract with Black America versus CBC legislation. Uh, you call for your uh, CB uh, your CWBWA calls for ending qualified immunity, banning chokeholds, and elimination of no knock warrants. The CBC says all of that is included in the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, but it hasn't been um, uh, enacted by um, by the folks uh, there in Congress. I mentioned Juneteenth, the federal holiday. The same thing about anti lynching law. Uh, your C your contract calls for baby bonds of a thousand dollars for all new babies. The CBC says that's in their CBC's jobs. Justice Act. Um, you proposed a plan for neo-reconstruction. The CBC said we gave President Trump a 125-page detailed plan to do this in 2017. Four years later, we've seen nothing. Uh, and according to the CBC, and I want to get to respond to this here, according to the CBC, they propose, you propose a one-time interest-free home loan for qualified black Americans. The CBC says, quote, this plan only addresses access to a loan for certain black people. It does not address necessary re relief provisions to prevent foreclosures and expand forbearance for homeowners, but the CBC Jobs and Justice Act does. And so 
the C, what, what, C, what the Congressional Black Caucus says is the things that you're saying that these things have not been done, have not been focused on, they say it has been done. It's literally in our bills. They simply were, they were passed by the House but ignored by the Senate. Uh, the, the Black Census Project that Alicia was working on, they dropped in 2019. She's saying they have been working on those things. Uh, and so just your response to that, was, especially with the CBC saying, no, we, it's actually in our bills that have been passed. But they were passed by the House, but ignored by the Senate. Um, my, my thing is keep up the good work. Keep going at it. You know, uh, we got to get it passed. There's going to be a lot of overlap because uh, we got good ideas. Um, so that's going to happen. But, you know, until things get passed, they're not passed. So we got to push to get them passed. Um, uh, Alicia, I'm going to bring Alicia uh, in here. Yeah. Cube, I think one of the things that's important, if y'all go to bring Alicia three shot of this, it'd be great. This is where, and this is, this is, this is what I've heard from people. I've heard from people is, man, Cube is out here with his contract and he's dropping videos and saying things. But then you have folk like Alicia and others who are doing it. And one of the things that you said when I last interviewed you, you said that uh, this is where collaboration is important. And so mm -hmm. with, with that in mind, um, you're there on the West Coast. Alicia's there on the West Coast. Uh, to me, this is an opportunity, I think, for the two of you to get together, for the other activists to get together. And so as opposed to Cube's contract and then the Black Census Project, uh, then what the CBC is doing, this is how you take Black Collective and say, how do we take all of these plans and then begin to move and then get the policies that, that, that we want? Alicia and Cube, what do y'all think about that? Alicia first. Well, I think a few things, and I appreciate you raising that, Roland. I mean, to me, you can't have movement on an agenda without a movement. And there are so many incredible organizers and activists all over this country who are coming together and fighting back every single day. And that is what it actually takes to create this level of change. You know, I, I will say that, Cube, I, I agree with you in terms of your frustration. I've been frustrated, too. I took the Black Agenda 2020 uh, to these campaigns, to the party, and I've had a hell of a time getting phone calls back. You know, I've had to do a lot of maneuvering even to get the smallest pieces of our plan inside any kind of platform. And so that is to be criticized, and we need to keep holding their feet to the fire. But where I disagree with the conclusion here is that, A, I don't think justice is a business transaction. I think if we're going to change systems, policies, and laws, we have to get in the game and stay in the game. And I don't think it's a simple, you give me this, I get that back. I give you this, you get that back. We have to govern an entire country, and we can't govern that way. Donald Trump is governing that way, and that's what's not working. I also want to just offer here that for me, you know, I've heard Van Jones and others say that people uh, need to go to the people in power. And I actually, you know, think I understand the premise behind that. But what it overshadows in my mind is it allows them to get off the hook for all of the other egregious things that they do to our communities. You know, I can't help but feel sick when I hear Donald Trump, you know, talking about the First Step Act, but then also telling the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by. And I don't get to actually look past that. That impacts my everyday life. I get death threats every single day from people who are listening to this president. And therefore, I don't have any confidence that even in the sense that he implements something like the First Step Act when it's convenient for him and talks mess about it when it's not, 
uh, I don't have any confidence that that the amount of power has been built actually to get these things done. I don't fault you for trying to move an agenda, but I don't think we can take any shortcuts here, and I certainly don't think we can jump the line. And you know, it would be one thing if people actually weren't working on this every day. Imagine what we could do together, Cube, if I had access to a platform hold on, like this. But hold I don't on. have. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Alicia. Alicia, I, I know Cube has to go, but uh, 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 Cube, go. This, con this contract go ahead. been out for months, so there's been, you know, if anybody wanted to work with me, I've been open, uh, open uh, invitations from day one to work together, uh, uh, make the platform better, and you know, nobody has, uh, or very few have come out to do that. So. Um, you know, I'm not going to wait to get nobody's line. Um, you know, if I, if I feel like I could speak for black people, I'm going to go speak for black people to whoever. And, you know, you have a plan for uh, Biden win, but what's your plan if Trump wins? You know, you have to have a plan for either pro either president um, and so in either uh, administration. We can't just go dormant because this 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 is... This is the, the problem, I think, that's been happening with us. Uh, you know, we, we go dormant. We don't push both parties hard to do what needs to be done, what's right. And, you know, some people got a whole country to run. We don't have a whole country to run. Black people in a bad situation. We don't have a pot to piss in. We ain't even really in the damn equation when you really look at it. We just get to show up and we get to go home still broke. And, and, and unless you have capital in America, you're not going to be really involved in what's going on in America when it comes to running the whole country. So, so we got to look after black people and figure out how to get money in the hands of families and, in this country into businesses that went down. We got to figure out how to get uh, a lot of capital into those hands. So can and we do this here then? Can we do this? You care about black people, Cube. I've known Alicia uh, for, as well. She cares about black people. Um, uh, so can so can we, again, as opposed to, you know, different pieces here, this is where I think black folks come together and say, look, we're going to sit down and talk. We're going to rap. Your number, my number, your email, my email. Let's do that. I'm more than welcome. Anytime. Um, I'm, I'm willing and open. Anybody who's who's uh, down to help black people uh, get what we're supposed to get in this country through hell, through hell or high water, I'm with them. Alicia? Listen, I'm always ready and have been working for 20 years to improve the conditions of black folks. And like I said, if we had access to a platform like you have, Cube, I bet you we could have gotten a lot farther. So I look forward to working with you. So here's, so, so here's, so here's what I'm going to do. Show's over. Uh, I, with both of y'all permission, uh, I will send y'all respective uh, information so we can do that. Because again, uh, I think where we are, first of all, Cube, uh, what you said about when folks are in power, 
um, uh, you are correct. I have long said that even if somebody we did not vote for wins, we are still constituents. Uh, we are still uh, taxpayers. And so they still owe us. Uh, but what it, but it, it also, but to, to Alicia's point, it's also uh, holding them accountable when they're doing things that, uh, for, frankly, uh, are, are, are hurting us uh, as well. And so I think what is required of us is to put that level of pressure on all folks, yet yeah, not having permanent friends, but we simply have a permanent interest. I do believe, though, that one of the great, and when you were on last time, we, you and I talked about this here, infrastructure is critically important. We, we know what your job is, what you're doing in terms of music, in terms of movies, and what your lane is. But when you have also organizations with people, that also matters as well. And so I hope we can able to lock that down. Uh, uh, final thoughts, uh, Ice Cube, uh, you first. Um, you know, I let everybody know what I was going to do. Um, and I don't understand the issue with it. Um, one of these guys are going to be the president. And at the end of the day, whoever that is, we got to go press them. Alicia. That's just it. Yeah, I think accountability requires a movement. It's not done over a, a boardroom table. It's done by bringing folks with you. And so I'm excited to be working with, you know, so many people across the country, the 30,000 people that we surveyed across all political ideologies, incomes, demographics, to really start to lock down not only what these policy issues look like, but also training people to be the people who are making the rules. And so again, Cube, I look forward to working with you. All right, That's then. Ice Cube, I appreciate it. This is also why it's important for us to have black platforms uh, where we are able to have the conversation. I saw your tweet, Ice Cube, where you said that CNN uh, booked you for Chris Cuomo and they um, and they um, uh, they then canceled you. That's why I created this platform for that very reason. We don't have to depend on CNN or MSNBC. We also have to create our own media institutions where we don't just talk about this, where they talk about it for five or six minutes. We actually have been having this conversation uh, for uh, almost 40 minutes uh, right here. And so I appreciate uh, you taking the time to be with us. Same with Alicia Garza as well. Thanks, Thanks for having me on. All right, we'll Thank do it again. Everybody. Thank you very much. Folks, got to go to a break. When we come back, Greg Carr, Greg Carr, Reese and Eric break down the conversation we just had on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Back in a moment. Our movement out of the 50s, 55, 59, 60, made them change their story, made them stop preaching and teaching racism. We did it not by talking to them, but through the sit-in campaign, the bus campaign bus campaigns around the southeast including Lynchburg, Virginia in which the signs came down <laughs> so that stopped them now one of my friends who was a, a, a gay man from way way back and a theologian and evangelical Mel White started in that same period to tell these people that um, they were, they had to stop preaching racism. They started preaching then against gay and lesbian people. Now you can see that in their broadcasts, in their sermons, in their books. So they were people who did not have the self-esteem that came up out of their very souls, out of their beings, out of their bones. 
they had the self-esteem that said, I'm superior than you are. <laughs> I'm a man, therefore, woman, you're submissive. So they had to, they have to have, they have, to have a, a religious teaching that gave them superiority over some other people. Right. Certainly, we certainly support the Poor People's Campaign, all the Reverend Dr. William J. Barber and repairs of the breach is doing. All right, folks, uh, let's uh, go to our, our panel here. We have, of course, uh, Reese Colbert, Black Women Views, Erica Savage-Wilson, host Savage Politics Podcast, Dr. Greg Carr, chair Department of Afro-American Studies at Howard University, and also uh, Ellie Mistel, he is with uh, The Nation. So, Greg, uh, you... Uh, join us a little bit later than normal. I just want to get, just get your thoughts about what you just heard in that conversation there, all this controversy uh, over Ice Cube meeting with uh, Trump campaign officials, folks saying he sold out. He said, no, I told y'all I was going to be meeting with both sides. Your thoughts, your assessment. Well, thank you, Roland, for having that conversation, first of all. Second of all, it made my head hurt. And third of all, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. you know, I think what we're facing is two, is two basic things going on here. There's an attempt to galvanize some momentum by, uh, uh, in terms of black people. Uh, certainly the intent is there. But there's a fundamental disconnect between learning the lessons of previous black social movements in this country and where we are today. Um, uh, there's a disagreement in terms of cube. As far as I can tell, it's really a disagreement about tactics, not really strategy. And the tactics are the specific actions and steps you take to achieve a strategy, an ultimate objective. And I think, you know, when you're thinking about kind of getting everyone at the table with around an agenda, you know, what is your tactic in the short term? Just like we heard Alicia say, I mean, hey, our bodyguards out here. Why? The white nationalist party is going to say anything it needs to do to stay in power. And I don't think Cube doesn't understand that. I think, what, but but as you were trying to walk him through the lift every voice plan and do it, he's not into the details. He's he, he's not hearing you because he's got a certain strategy that he is going to cling to. Strategy is ultimately to force a confrontation with this system we're in. But his strategy, I think, is more intermediate and long term than it is short term. Alicia and I'm talking about a short-term strategy. And as Linda Sarsour said on your show, you know, who is our best opponent in the White House? I, I mean, if you look at the policy platforms, if we can push this through, maybe we can get 
something else. Now, let me let me keep this short because I want to hear what Brother Miss Dahl and certainly you know Eric and Reese had to say about this. But Mr. Uh, Brother Ely talked about this question of expanding the court to as many as twenty nine people, and that gets us finally to the issue I think we're facing here. You know, Black Lives Matter emerged out of a kind of uh, a tapping into an energy that came in the wake of state violence. It then began to be external actors who have their own agenda. And, and it's trying to build an organization kind of on the fly to capture that moment and move forward. God bless them. But when you hear Melanie Campbell and you hear Dr. Avis and them, these are long-term organizers who are now prepared to continue that momentum going forward. But what we don't have is a coalition like we saw in Gary, 1972, like the Black Radical Congress tried to do 20 years ago, that we've done periodically since we've been here. Go back to the 1830s and 40s with the Negro Convention movement. What we don't have now is a big tent coalition to kind of get people together and galvanize that momentum. And we're in a country that's going to fall apart, which is why if this country doesn't commit to being a country, I am completely with Ice Cube. Why? Because at that point, it's every group for themselves. And the Republican agenda, I would embrace that fully. Why? Complete individualism, Second Amendment, get your gun, and let's fight it out. That is a long-term future that some of the people that said they're not going to vote, that's really what they're talking about. Let's just drop all this stuff down and fight and stop all this bullshitting. And I think this is all the confusion that has to be settled by real conversations so that people can state where they are and then think it through. But what we just saw, not that conversation, brother. Reese Colbert. Um, that conversation was incredibly offensive. It's ahistorical. Um, it completely diminishes and dismisses the work that is being done by organizations like, uh, what Alicia Garza mm -hmm. heads up at the Black Futures Lab. There is evidence-based data behind the priorities of Black people. There are experts on what we need, on, on what has been done. And um, so that's offensive. But here is what I don't think that Ice Cube seems to want to take any accountability for or recognize. The Platinum Plan is a propaganda document. And mm -hmm. it's fine to work with both parties. He has been transparent about that. I encouraged him to actually meet with the Congressional Black Caucus, which it appears that he didn't do back in August. When I made that suggestion, I encouraged him to reach out to Black women and include them in his contract for Black America, which completely excludes Black women, Black children, the LGBTQ community, and so on and so forth. It has nothing in there about environmental justice. It has nothing in there about a whole slew of issues for Ice Cube to think that his contract for Black America is so far superior and so groundbreaking when it's really very pedestrian. And a lot of his ideas are frankly unconstitutional and would never get past a 6-3 Amy Comey Barrett majority court, okay? So that's, that's another thing. But this document is a propaganda document. What he did was not just meet with people he can't even seem to identify by name in the Trump campaign. What he did by allowing them to attach his name to their plan is he legitimized the Trump propaganda. He legitimized... Mm -hmm statements like what it says in the Platinum Plan, that he has, Trump has achieved historic employment levels for Black Americans. The reality is that he inherited 7.8% Black unemployment from Biden and Obama, and it's now 13%, which is almost double that of white unemployment. He has, we have lost 41% of small Black businesses under Trump, okay? So when he talks about, he touts his work on criminal justice. You said it, Democrats should take credit for the first step back. But let's also keep in mind that Donald Trump, one of the first acts of Jeff Sessions, his first AG, who was less of a criminal than uh, William Barr is, was to actually 
rolled back the Obama era reforms in terms of drug sentencing. He wants people. He wanted people to charge people as harshly as possible to and uh, to inflict as long as sentences as possible for drug crimes, including marijuana. He uh, rolled back the Obama era rollback on private prisons. Private prisons are booming under Donald Trump, not just in terms of the federal. Uh, criminal population, but also in terms of the Department of Homeland Security and the immigration population, okay? He has completely halted consent decrees and, and pattern and practices investigations. So these are some of the things that are just flat-out lies. But Donald Trump has been hostile to the black community and by every single metric. But Donald Trump's platinum plan scam is a propaganda document that not only suggests that he will be so remarkably different in the next four years towards the black community, but that he has already done these things, things that are objectively false, things that are completely untrue. And with, with, with Ice Cube belligerently sitting up here and refusing to take accountability or acknowledge that he got played, which is what it sounds like, it sounds like he got played, okay? Or maybe he's just so cynical about the process that he thinks that you have to attach your name to something just to get a meeting, which isn't true, okay? People decline to, to say, well, you can use my name or you can use a photo or whatever the situation may be. But it's irresponsible, it's offensive, and he needs to take accountability. And he's not equipped, which he proved here. We couldn't even get through a conversation with Alicia Garza or answer any of the things that you pointed out he is not equipped to be the spokesperson. Hey, I would give him D-plus for effort just for the fact that he has a sentiment. But as Dr. Carr pointed out, it lacks a, 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 an understanding of how we got here. It lacks a respect for people like Alicia Garza and Melanie Campbell and Dr. Avis and NAACP who've been doing this work for decades. So the last thing I want to say is just that we have organizations like the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, like the National Urban League, et cetera, who are doing the work and not just talking the talk to their 8 million followers on Twitter. Those are the people that are leading the charge. Those are not the people that are full of shit the way that Ice Cube likes to characterize them. And those are the people that speak for people like me. I, I think we, I think I'm going to go to Ellie next. Ellie, I do think that this is where a mistake is made. Uh, and I've seen a lot of the comments on social media. I'm looking at the comments on our YouTube channel. I'm looking at the comments on our Facebook channel. Um, and um, I purposely don't use phrases like Uncle Tom, sellout, coon, things along those lines. Those are offensive to me. I don't allow people to use those phrases to describe uh, black Republicans uh, because uh, I can disagree with you uh, vehemently uh, and not use those terms because I'm not going to use the terms of white oppressors against black people. Hmm. Um, I, where I do agree with you is that, and I have said this, I've said this, and so anybody, y'all can go check it. I've said that even if we lose, we are still constituents. Uh, Robert Smith, America's wealthiest African-American, worth $7 billion, um, was having meetings with Steve Mnuchin in the Treasury Department when it came to PPP. I was saying on this show, black businesses, we are taxpayers. We need to, we deserve to get that money in those programs. You have to meet with those who are in power to do so. I know of other African-Americans uh, who have had meetings with the administration on various issues. The First Step Act, 
Congressman Hakeem Jeffries got a lot of criticism for working with Jared Kushner on that very uh, bill. He got criticized by some of the Democrats in his house, uh, even among the CBC. But he said the greater issue is ensuring that we get some of these folks get out of jail uh, and we have to actually get it done. So, so the question then becomes, with, with all of that, how then do we as black people work with a Trump administration? Do we say, no, I ain't talking to you, I'm not looking at you, I'm not sitting down with you, or do we say, you know what, you're in, I got to deal with who is in power? Because that's the issue that we have to confront when Republicans control state legislatures all across the South, when Republicans control the United States Senate. We have to deal with that very issue. How do we do it? We start by saying we will not be used by you, all right? Mm -hmm. So you have to negotiate with people. You have to fight for your rights, regardless of who happens to be the president or who happens to be the governor of, of your state. But you will not be used. You will not be made a token by these people. Alicia Garza said the right. most important thing in that interview. Justice is not transactional. Just, you know, um, uh, uh, other black leaders have said, um, we have no permanent friends, we have no permanent enemies, we have permanent interests, all right? And those interests, that interest in justice cannot be thrown away on a transactional basis for some nebulous promise of cash considerations, all right? We're not the Mets. We've got actual issues that we need to push forward. And so Reese, I think, just did a great job of explaining some of the justice issues at stake in this election and at stake in this country that Ice Cube's program does not address and cannot address because he's trying to address it with a white supremacist organization that will never share the one thing we need, which is not cash. It is power. Let me say this here. And it is right. power that these people will never share. Let me ask. And so that... Right. Huh? No, 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 go ahead and finish, go ahead and finish, go ahead and finish. It, it, is, it is that power that we have to take back. We have to take it back in the streets. We have to take it back in our legislators. We have to take it back at the ballot box. We have to take it back through court, in the courts. And if we don't try to take that power back, then all the money in the world isn't going to change our situation. Um, let me say this before I go to Erica. Um, for, for any of y'all fools out there who run in your mouths talking about uh, Cube was set up and ambushed, no, Cube and I communicated directly about him coming on the show today. He agreed to come on. He was on last time, and he took questions from Greg, from Erica, and Reese. So if you stuck on stupid trying to spread that nonsense, that crap uh, ain't gonna fly because that's what we do on the show. We have a well-rounded conversation. Erica, your thoughts? Well, uh, it was definitely disappointing. Um, and one of the parts that's very disappointing is just that when we look at 2020 writ large and we look at the Son of a Klansman's platinum plan for Black America, which has included not having a national testing, no national strategy around COVID-19, which disproportionately impacts Black and brown people. When we look at the housing, the eviction and foreclosure uh, foreclosure crisis that's disproportionately impacting the poor and also black and brown folks. When we're looking at voter suppression, active voter suppression with on with 14 million uh, votes that have been cast, and we're seeing how that's disproportionately impacting 
black and brown people. And the list continues to go on and on and on that he uh, would so not just take any of that into consideration and dismiss that. And then also dismiss the folks, and we've been saying it, and I'll continue to say that, dismiss the people that have been doing the work, the policy wonks, the activists, the grassroots organizers who have been entrenched in this work, to say to folks that have been doing that work, well, you need to come and talk to me, is a complete dismissal of all of what they've been doing to uplift, to bring forth agendas that actually do envelop in not only Black people, but people of color. And I'll say this lastly, um, just really to talk about the um, uh, American descendant of slaves movement and to really um, dismiss Black people where, you know, you um, talking about those uh, Cameroonians who are facing deportation and largely because the son of a Klansman considers anything off of the continent of Africa to be a shithole country. Um, and that, you know, when a person opens up their mouth, whether they have an accent or not, what they look like on the outside, what black skin, they are determined to be black and they are treated accordingly, specifically when we're talking about police and ICE efforts. And so not considering everything that we, working, wealthy, black folks, brown folks, are having to endure and the poor as well in this country under a regime who has no interest um, in dealing in black life, but continuing to suppress and oppress and make sure that there is apartheid rule after 2020 is really, and then not um, wanting to actually um, get an, a civics understanding that the 400 bills that are resting at the feet of the Grim Reaper um, and that there is a majority Republican Senate that is refusing to take up votes, that is refusing to offer relief to millions upon millions of America really speaks to a lack of this broad interest that he claims to have and seems to be more positioned to self-interest. And Greg, that is but, disappointing. But, but Greg, still, how, how do we, how do we do this? And I, I'm, I'm gonna take you back. When we, I interviewed Bob Brown. Uh, Bob Brown, here he was, someone who was on the board of SCLC, greatly helped Dr. King when Coretta Scott King asked him uh, to, asked him to accompany her to the airport uh, to get his body. Bob Brown then gets asked by the Nixon administration to come work for them. A lot of black people said, Bob, what is wrong with you? How dare you? How dare you do this? How dare you go work for that man? But then Bob goes into the administration and Bob has this massive portfolio. And when you look at uh, the programs that were created to help black businesses, the loan that Earl Graves, Earl Graves needed that, that last $100,000 to launch black enterprise. And there were, there were folks in the Nixon administration who said, absolutely not. Uh, he's a Robert Kennedy Democrat. And Bob Brown said, hell no, the loan goes through. Uh, a black four-star general, uh, uh, any number of things. And there were people who were saying, people who were saying, uh, Bob, how dare you? Bob said, I could not on the outside talk about what black folks needed and pass up the opportunity that if I could help black people on the inside achieve those things I had to. And so I do believe, Greg, that we as black people have got to grapple with this whole issue of how do we deal with and work with power when it's who we vote against? And it's a conversation we got to have because it's there. 
it's there not just in Washington, D.C., but it's in state capitals all across the country. It's in county commissioners' courts and city halls across the country. How do we even have the conversation to say, look, we can't sit out if we don't like the folks who are in power because we're still paying taxes and we're still constituents? How do we do that? Well, Roland, we are all beginning, regardless of what we've been said today by everyone, we're all beginning with a flawed, uh, anchored in a flawed premise, a flawed assumption. The flawed assumption is that we live in a nation. We do not. So Ellie talks about justice claims. And again, his proposition of perhaps putting as many as 20 more judges on the Supreme Court, giving the Democrats 11 and the Republicans 9, um, makes perfect sense if you're talking about a nation. But we're not. We're talking about a group of settler colonies from Europe that convened themselves around power and whiteness is at the center of this settler state project. But the people in the settler state come from many different nations, have very different uh, ideologies, opinions, cultures, and the only thing holding it together is the economic system and some drip drop menial investments to, to stop people from just walking away from the whole thing. What Ice Cube is voicing is absolutely accurate in terms of what black people are saying. See, there's really no, I, I, I would argue there's really no deep investment black people have generally in this country. What black people have is an investment in this larger justice claim, to human claim that transcends the United States of America. But what we're facing, what Erica just walked us through, is a political party that has been absolutely overtaken by a group of white nationalists that were to see this settler project destroyed before they concede power. That is what is animating their tactics and strategy. Their ultimate objective is to hold on to power. That's why they're going to put Amy Comey Barrett on this court, because they realize they will lose the demographic game, but they don't look at you, me, Reese, Erica, Ellie, as Americans, because there is no American concept. There's only people negotiating for power. So when uh, when you hear, when we hear Reese walk us through a very cogent, critique and analysis of very fact-specific issues that Ice Cube hasn't considered. And when you talk about Hakeem Jeffries negotiating with Jerry Kushner, you're talking about people who are playing politics with an assumption, again, that there are some consensus things that people can work around if we have the same assumption that we have a country we share. But I would contend that's just rhetoric. Rolling. So how do we solve it? The first thing is we have got to determine who we is. For Ice Cube, it's black people. And I don't even think it's just black Americans, that ADOS conversation notwithstanding. Ice Cube understands that if you're black in this country, black in Africa, black in the Caribbean, it's all going to be the same, which is why when you pressed him and when Alicia pressed him, he said, no, I ain't got no problem with that. I understand that. However, Alicia saying we got to organize, come together, Melanie, Dr. Avis, or the NAACP, the Urban League, everybody thinking that we can make some kind of transcendent national claim based in a common American framework for power, that is the most flawed thinking in the, in the experience of black people in this country. And finally, I would say this. That is thinking that has only emerged since the end of Jim Crow, rhetoric notwithstanding. See, what happens is the farther we get away from the lash, the more confused we get about 
how to acquire power in a state framework where everybody's trying to avoid last place. There is no we now. Individuals have class interests, whether it be Earl Graves or Hakeem Jeffries or the people who ain't got nowhere to sleep. People have uh, uh, international interests. And so we've got to decide, number one, who we is. And number two, if once we decide who we is on our common denominator, we've got to decide how we're then going to acquire power in a framework where everything, and Ailey, I'd like to know what you think about this, but everything in a framework like that is transactional because there are no founding principles in this set of state. Ellie? Ooh, well, I want to say a couple of things. First of all, I don't think that it's that hard to distinguish between tokenism and having a seat at the table. When you said uh, about Dr. Brown, what you were talking about was a portfolio given to a black person who was willing to work at, in the Nixon administration. If we were sitting, if, if Ice Cube was sitting there with a portfolio to work with in a Trump administration, I, I would hate it, but I would understand what he's doing. He's not talking about portfolio. He's talking, as Reese pointed out, about being used. And I don't think it's that hard to see the difference between somebody who is just supposed to be a black face on a white supremacist plan versus somebody who is empowered to actually bring justice and equality for the people. So that's number one. Number two, I mean, look, I, I, the, 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 the larger issues uh, that the doctor is talking about in terms of our nation state, and our polity and our ability to achieve justice within the structure of white supremacy, which, which under which we were brought here against our will, um, is a very is 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 a is a difficult philosophical question for me to, uh, to for me to answer. As a person with legal training, I I tend to think that the Constitution, not as written, but the Constitution as amended is a decent document, not, maybe not the best in the world. I think the South African Constitution is actually better than ours in terms of just legal stuff. Um, but it's a pretty, pretty decent starting point. And all, and all I'm kind of focused on is bringing the treatment of black people and brown people in this country up to the level that white men have been given since, 18, since 1787. And if we, could just, if we could just get to where the white man started in 1787, I do think that there is, I do think that there is enough justice and individual uh, rights in that document to sustain um, a people. I do, I do still believe that. And so my struggle and my fight is to try to get black people, brown people, women, people in the LGBTQ community to bring us all up to the level that a white man is born with. If I can get us there, then I think that then I think that we can have a real conversation about who we are and who we want to be. Hey, hey, Roland, let me, but I know you got to go, but I got to no, 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 you no. and me got to talk, you and me got to talk offline, brother, because remember the Civil Rights Act of 1866, which literally said in the statute, and it's still allegedly good law, that we should be treated as a white man, and then they turned and, and eventually interpreted that through colorblind constitutionalism yeah. into the idea that even white people have the right to be treated as a white man. I would argue that the reason they would never embrace your court plan is because they look at that constitution, which is basically, as you know, a, a contract document, and then they had to go put some bill of rights in to deal with individuals. They look at that constitution as a means to an end. And so they, the, 
never be treated as white has two, to me, fundamental problems. Number one, whiteness itself is the fundamental problem with this nation-state project because it's resting the concept of citizenship. And in that regard, as far as a legal analysis, it sounds to me that it's that's disturbingly close to the ADOS position in terms of human rights and international rights. That's why the United States won't be a signatory to anything outside of the country. And number two, looking at judicial supremacy, which you very well, of course, understand better than most, because like you say, you, you have legal training. The analysis that we could somehow lean on that Constitution relies on the assumption that judicial supremacy, in other words, that the court interpretation of the law will ultimately transcend any individual interest, it relies on the assumption that that is true. And what we've seen in this country is every time white people didn't like the court's decision, they just ignored it. Reese, the thing I think we're looking at here is, I think the thing we're looking at here is... I think the visceral reaction to this is also because they just released it yesterday, 20 days out of the election, the whole conversation around black men. And the Trump folk, to your point, we know this plan isn't real. I mean, we know it's not real. I keep saying it ain't a platinum plan, it's the aluminum foil plan. But that's not what they desired. All they wanted was the hit to say, that they met with Ice Cube and he worked with them on the plan. That's what they wanted. Um, and, and, but, but we do have to put this out there as well. Democrats also bear some responsibility here. You heard Alicia Garza say she laid out these things and basically got the cold shoulder from the Biden campaign and from, from the Democratic Party. Uh, yeah, there was a meeting, or maybe there wasn't a meeting, but hey, we, we like 85% of what you have, but we'll get to it after, after the election. I showed the analysis of how much is in Cube's contract with Black America as uh, the CBC's already put together. If you're the Biden folks and the Democrats, why in the hell didn't you say that? And so I also think this, is, this was also a mistake on the part of Democrats by basically saying, yeah, we'll get to you later, and, and not surveying the land and seeing what was going on to preempt what actually happened here. That was a political miscalculation on the part of Democrats. I do not uh, disagree with that at all. I think that they, um, again, this goes back to messaging. I've, I've said it many times, Democrats have the receipts but they are vastly underestimating the messaging that's required and the way that that messaging pierces through, uh, particularly to a very social media-driven population. Um, that's, not, that's not to say Black people are more social media versus white people or whatever, but I'm just saying that social media does a lot in terms of pushing the conversations and the narratives that we're having. I will say, in defense, uh, I, I, I respect what um, Alicia Garza said, but I recall at Essence Festival in July 2019, where Senator Kamala Harris actually referenced the Black Futures Lab and the Black Census Project and laid out an agenda that is directly aligned with that. Yes, she so did. So it's not all people I was sitting. I was sitting in front row at Essence when yeah, that happened. I remember you were there. So that, 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 so that, anyway, that but, happened. But to your point, this is the thing. Like I said, Ice Cube is ill-equipped to to present anything his his plan is inadequate his plan is mostly unconstitutional and uh i can go on and so forth like i said 
I guess for the sentiment of deciding that you want to do something, great, that's fantastic. But he is not a person that has any credibility, any kind of expertise, any kind of evidence-based data to where he should be a person they should meet with on the merits. But on the messaging part, and mind you, there will be people who are saying, why are they meeting with Ice Cube? That's pandering, this, that, and the other. So it all it goes both ways, okay? Because there are going to be people who are going to criticize either way. This was a missed opportunity. I still have not seen from the Biden-Harris campaign graphics, memes, videos that really articulate the 22 pages, over 10,000 words of a very extensive, comprehensive Black agenda that touches systemic racism in every single aspect of our society, and also ties that to the receipts that the Democrats have in this arena, 400 bills that are laying in the Senate. A lot of people don't know that Senator Kamala Harris actually championed Black maternal mortality. She's championing uterine fibroids research, which something that impacts 90% of Black women before they are the age of 50. And so the Democrats win on the merits. The Democrats win on the policy. The Democrats win on the receipts. But they are missing the political landscape that we're in where you have to win the messaging. Nothing else counts if you don't have the messaging because that's what people are looking for. You have to make it easy. You have to make it something that they can, that they can share, that they can ingest, and that they can run with. Because people will take a 20, 280 character tweet, they'll take a headline, they'll take a caption, and all of a sudden they're experts. So you have to give them the headline. You have to give it to them and quit talking in these platitudes about how Black people are powerful and we appreciate you and rah, rah. Give people the specifics and let them make the decision because you have a winning, you have a winning policy, you have a winning platform. People just got to hear about it. Erica, um... Again, I, I think that uh, the point I raised by saying what I said to Ice Cube here and when he was on last time, what I said to Diddy, uh, what I said to Alicia uh, as well, like, look, it's, it's, it's one thing to take your celebrity, to take all of that and say, uh, speak to your following and we should be doing these things here. But the reality is you still have to have infrastructure to see mm -hmm. that through. So, for instance, this is real simple. Let's say if you look at the existing polling data, Biden-Harris wins. Okay. Then, if you're Ice Cube, are you walking into the White House by yourself? If you're Diddy, are you walking in by yourself? I ain't talking about your social media following. As opposed to, I'm walking in with infrastructure. I'm walking in with researchers. I'm walking in with people who are on the policy side, who are on the lobbying side. I'm and I'm letting you know that I am prepared to mobilize my following mm -hmm. to then back this thing up and drop folks on Capitol Hill and drop people on congressional offices around the state. That is what the most important thing that I've said to Diddy and the Ice Cube, you got to have the infrastructure to back up the boasting demand that if I want this and I don't get it, you're going to pay the price. It can't be a rhetorical thing. It has to be a real thing that you're able to willing to execute your thoughts on that. And then Ellie. Right, because then that requires interest and work. In the land of celebrity, if you demand something, then you can have a team of people put something together and you can have them do the work. What you have just laid out, Roland, requires work. And just thinking about this platform that you've developed, every night 
five days a week, there is a walking through of civics lesson. It forces people not just to have hot takes, but to actually wrestle with policy, to actually wrestle with the headlines, as Reese pointed out. And if there is no real interest in doing the work, then what it looks like is a photo op. What it looks like is engaging in an opportunity, not actually following through and doing the work. When you look at organizations like Black Voters Matter, um, when you look at what they have done is they've looked very specifically at Black voters in the South and said that we want to ensure that people not only understand that they do have the right to vote, but make sure that they get to their polling location. And if those polling locations have been closed down, if those polling locations are in jeopardy of being closed down, then we have infrastructure in place where we're going to actually rally and we're going to uh, rally the hell out of a particular um, person in the county that has called for that to happen to make sure that they understand that there is a constituency of people that may not understand how to rage against that particular machine, but that we are going to partner with the constituency to make sure that that polling location either doesn't close or that there's some alternate um, polling location that's made available for this group of people. And so that's work, that's interest, that's intention, but all of those things have to line up. Because the other part about that is that, again, and I'll say it again, I believe that particularly with the Democratic Party continuing to chase this white um, phantom voter as they continue to do over decades, the work has been left to unpaid black labor, largely, for us to be responsible to one another, to our communities, to actually inform people around us, to be involved in the political minutia and break it out in such a way that people, if this is not their world, for them to understand far before election time comes, this is what you are obligated to do to be an engaged citizenry, but then also this is what you also have to be expecting, and if you don't expect it, then demand it. So I just believe that you know a lot of this uh, lies in um, people not really wanting to be involved in the work, but definitely wanting some level of glory for it. Ellie, I believe it is a mistake for folks to say, I'm going to discard Ice Cube. I believe it's a mistake people to say, I'm going to discard Alicia Garza, Patrice Cullors. I'm going to discard the NAACP. I'm going to discard the Congressional Black Caucus. I'm going to discard NAACP. But what still has to happen, and I get all the competing interests, but what still has to happen is you got to move the ball forward. You got you to actually achieve gains. Meeting is one thing. Saying, hey, I, I'll, I'll include something in our plan is another. But it has to get done. And that is the fundamental issue. When you hear disaffected black voters say, I ain't seen nothing change in my community, it's because no one is saying, one, this is what we did, and we're going to remind you we did it and show you we did it. Your final thoughts. Yeah, well, the, the part of it is that people are looking too big and not looking small. People aren't looking at the incremental gains that are being made. And so I will close with the story of a Supreme Court case that's happening this term. It's called Torres v. Madrid. Torres, Roxana Torres, was, was in her car dropping off her friend. Now, Roxana Torres is a Latina woman. If that's not brown enough for you, 
bite me. But she was sitting in her car. She dropped off her friend. The cops uh, were staking out the apartment complex. They approached her car. She thought she was being carjacked. She tried to drive away. Cops shot her twice in the back. Roxana Torres got away. She got to the hospital. She got treatment. She lived. The cops arrested her at the hospital. She sued the cops for excessive use of force. One of the force. One of our Fourth Amendment rights. The court. Trump judges threw that case out, saying that it was not, it could not be a Fourth Amendment issue because she wasn't successfully captured. So when they shot her in the back, the fact that she got away meant that she didn't have her constitutional rights. A Trump judge said that that was okay. She appealed all the way to the Supreme Court. Most likely the Trump judge was going to lose until Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And now we don't got the votes. So I can't, so, so, so when I talk about what we're getting in a Democratic administration versus a Republican administration or, or, or what have you. I am talking about these, these incremental changes, people like Roxana Torres. The, the, the fact is I cannot push the ball forward on anything that matters in terms of criminal justice reform or civil justice reform if I have to compete with Trump judges throughout the system. So we are getting something when we elect Democrats. It's small and it's hard to see all the time. But there are people like Roxana Torres who would have rights if Trump was not the president. Ellie Minister with The Nation, I certainly appreciate it, sir. Thank you so very much. Uh, I'm going to end the show with this. Uh, and this is critically important. Um, and Greg, you know what I'm talking about. Reese, you know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, Erica as well. I posted this graphic last night. Go to my iPad, please. For the last two years, but definitely the last seven weeks, we have been asking House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to come here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Every week, what I've gotten is she's not available. She's not available. She's not available. But when I look up on MSNBC, she's there. When I look up on CNN, she's there. Uh, I've made it clear to her staff that why you're not doing black media. I had a conversation with Joe Madison this morning. He told me he's been trying to get her on, on his show on Sirius XM for years. No luck. So I went ahead and put that thing out there to the public, telling people exactly what, uh, uh, what's going on. And I said, point blank, you need to do black media. You should be appearing on, talking about public policy, talking about the CARES Act, talking about these bills. Joe got a call later today. Guess who's going to be on his show next week? There are a lot of black people who were criticizing me on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, this is not right. This ain't the right time. But here's what y'all don't understand. Show me what black people have gotten unless we had to call folk out. Show me where we got the interviews, where we got the resources, where we got the money because folk did the right thing. When Senator Amy Klobuchar wasn't meeting with us, she got called out with Where's Amy? And I've said this. I literally sent an email, Greg, to the staff of Nancy Pelosi now multiple times saying, do you have any time between now and November 3rd all I got back was she's not available. So I want all y'all to understand, I'm going to post that graphic every single day. 
I'm gonna post that graphic every single day until Nancy Pelosi comes to this show. Because here's why. You gonna treat us the same way you treat CNN and MSNBC. We are not going to be disrespected, and it's not gonna be, I can, I've had Congressman Clyburn on. But here's the deal. This year, I've had Senator Chuck Schumer on this show twice. He's a Senate minority leader. You can't tell me you don't have any time. And for all of y'all who are like, oh, oh, you ain't doing this thing right. You ain't doing it. I told y'all what Dr. King wrote in his book, Where Do We Go From Here, Chaos or Community? He said there are four institutions that are primed to move black people forward. The black church, the black press, Negro fraternities and sororities, and black professional organizations. And what Dr. King said about the Negro press, he wrote, you must maintain your militancy. He said, do not fall into the conservative position. Maintain your militancy. I need y'all to understand, two years ago, uh, uh, NNPA, they asked Congressman Eleanor Holmes Norton to commission a study on the spending of federal dollars for media. Over five years, $5 billion was spent on the federal government on media. $51 million over five years went to black media. So y'all might ask, well, why are you going to sit here and press the Speaker of the House? Because she needs to talk to black media. Her staff needs to understand that if you want black votes, you must talk to black media. You must let black people who watch black media see the Speaker of the House. It's the same reason why I want Joe Biden on this show before November 3rd. The same reason I want Kamala Harris on the show November 3rd. And do understand I have asked the White House repeatedly since 2017 for Donald Trump to sit down as well. But I need black people to learn to get some damn backbone. I need black people to stop saying, why you got to do that now? It's too many things happening. We got the election going on. We don't need to mess up nothing. If they not going to talk to you before the election, they not going to talk to you after. King said, maintain your militancy which means somebody has to have the same guts as Frederick Douglass and the North Star, as Ida B. Wells Barnett, as Robert Abbott and the Chicago Defender, as Claude Burnett and the Negro Associated Press, and A.I. Scott with the Atlanta Daily World, and the folks who ran the Pittsburgh Courier, and Freedom's Journal, and on and on and on. I am sick and tired of black people willing to accept less. Let me be clear. I told you, I will challenge the Biden-Harris campaign. I will challenge the Democratic Party, the DCCC, the DSCC, the DOCC, Democratic Governors Associations, the Republican Party. I will challenge Alpha and Kappa and Omega and Sigma and Iota and the Zetas and the Sigma Gamma Rose and the Deltas and the AKAs and the Lynx and the 100 Black Men and the Boule and Sigma Pi Five. I can go on and on and on because... If black media does not maintain its militancy, then what the hell do we have? So yes, 
get used to it. And I would advise you, the folk who work for Speaker Nancy Pelosi, I would advise y'all to find some time to book her on this show, to book, and I, Roland ain't just talking for Roland, to do round tables with black newspapers, to go on Ricky Smiley's show and Steve Harvey's show and Michael Baston's show and do other black media because I am not just willing to talk about myself. I'm willing to say, no, you got to talk to black media overall and treat us the same way you treat everybody else. But Greg is a whole bunch of us scared to be unapologetically black. You on mute. You on mute, Greg. Greg, you on mute. Greg, you on mute. I think I said you black as hell, so you probably, you know, you black. <laughs> you may be black enough for all of them. You clearly were black enough to get uh, Nancy on the Black Eagle. <laughs> so, uh, you know what? She's got to do it. I mean, listen, we heard all night tonight, Reese has been laying it out. Erica put it very mm -hmm. plain. Y'all got to deal with us. Cube is speaking from the heart. Now, yeah, he don't have all the, the place, the thing together. Alicia, is. We, we're all on the same team in terms of wanting to stop black suffering in the world. But mm -hmm. let's be very clear. We got to have some backbone to be able to do that because these are our open enemies. They don't give a damn. So we right. got to at least have enough self-love not to give a damn either. So you're right about that, bro. I'm glad, I'm glad to see she's going. She probably gonna save you for last because she know when you when she come up in here, she gotta come correct. And again, I, 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 all I wanna do, Reese, I wanna talk to her about the CARES Act. I wanna talk to her mm -hmm. about negotiations on Capitol Hill. I wanna talk to her about public policy. This is not about, man, you gonna call her out? No, I want, but, but you got to respect us enough to schedule us. Right. I mean, I've, you know, I've always been touting the value of black media. I think a big part of the Democrats' messaging problem is they put out these Zooms and these meetings and these live streams expecting people to come to them. You got to come to where black people are. Black people watch Roland Martin Unfiltered. I mean, this is a daily digital news show, so this is kind of a no-brainer. I know this week all on Twitter, it was trending boycott NBC, and then you have all these complaints about the MSN, about the mainstream media and how they treat di different Democrats and they run with different things. And yet when it comes to black media, black media is treated like a second tier, even though black media has wide distribution in terms of syndication nationally, or even as you pointed, I think you said 30 million views a month. These are just, these are no brainer things to do. And it's how you continue to engage with the black community so that you don't have a sprint in two weeks to try to shore up your base or that you don't leave to Cube's point. I will acknowledge that, um, that wiggle room where people are disaffected and they feel like, well, this these people are talking to me versus these people, even though these people are full of crap. So to me, the there's no reason for black media to have to fight as hard as it does because black media is not second tier in terms of the quality of content and certainly not second tier in terms of the audience because the audience is the base of the party. So I would encourage all elected officials, including uh, Speaker Pelosi, to do the Roland Martin Filter Show and do black radio, do black media across the board because these are valuable spaces talking to your constituents that you need. And, and Erica... They should say at least twice a year uh, that you're gonna do a, you're gonna do a round with black media. Uh, mm. And I look and I said the same. Let me real clear. I said the same thing when Obama was president. Oh, I called him out when uh, he was ignoring black uh, black radio for a long time after he first got in. So y'all, people need to understand. 
okay? And I, I, I had to check somebody, uh, uh, Erica, Greg, and Reese. Uh, as a matter of fact, I put this graphic uh, on my Instagram page. Let me go ahead and just show y'all because, see, folks were trying were, were trying to test me, Erica, and they, and they, they didn't quite understand who they were dealing with. Uh, and so I had to let them know uh, uh, who they were dealing with. Let me show this before you make your closing comment uh, right now. Uh, th this was uh, uh, the graphic here that I had put up. I put in work at the Houston Defender, the Dallas Weekly, the Dallas Examiner, <laughs> Chicago Defender, Savoy Magazine, BlackAmericaWeb.com, KKDAAM, WVONAM, Major Broadcasting Cable Network, TV One, Essence, Ebony. Don't try and tell me what black media should do to get respect. That's right, Roland. You've been involved and engaged for quite some time. I'm just thinking about the Tom Jordan Morning Show and the work that you did. Oh, yeah, damn. I left off the Tom walking. Jordan Morning Show. Yeah. I did. There were not enough characters. And I knew I left something <laughs> off, but uh, I, I'd included him in a tweet, but I forgot that one. I'm going to have to fix the graphic. Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so you have put in the work. You do have the credentials. You have the receipts, as Reese would say, right? And I think the other thing around that, too, is that we have to expect to um, have better. And that's where the demand comes from. Because when we think about the way that the speaker has that gavel in her hand, it was because we made sure in 2018 that there was a message sent, um, particularly for the House races, to say that, listen, we're not, there should be a check on the son of a Klansman, right? And even though Senate Republicans largely rejected that, um, we were a part of that push to put the gavel in their hands. So the demand is there. There's nothing to be afraid of because honestly, to use unfortunate words, you know, what in fact do we have to lose considering everything that we're facing right now in 2020? So rightfully so, and that this should be, and I've said it and I'll continue to say it, this kind of get out the vote effort this is really par for the course. This should really be the end of that and that the engagement with black voters and not the phantom white voters should pick up exponentially, particularly on the part of the Democratic Party. All right, folks. Look, we want y'all to support what we do at Roland Martin Unfiltered, and that's become members of our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar you give goes to support this show. Uh, we were in Houston and Dallas earlier this week. I plan on hitting the road in North Carolina, which early voting began today. Next week, trying to go to Atlanta, Mississippi, uh, all across the country. Uh, we, You can do that, folks. You can give. And look, it was 12,000 of y'all watching live, our highest number ever on YouTube. Wow. Uh, as we broke the record tonight, 12,000. Folks, y'all can give right there on YouTube. You can go to Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered, paypal.me forward slash rmartinunfiltered, venmo.com forward slash rm unfiltered. Uh, you can also send a, a money order to uh, New Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street, Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. Every dollar you give goes to support this show. Folks, this is all about us having something that we own, we control. But look, Ain't no cable network or broadcast network gonna have a 40-minute conversation with Ice Cube uh, about uh, these issues. No, they're not gonna do it. They might do six, seven, eight, maybe 10. They ain't gonna do 40. This is why we got to have our own as a real news show uh, and not just some nonsense going on. Let me also shout out, remember we had um, um, a Regina Bell on, she wore that shirt that said vote and the V was bloody. Uh, the brother, he's on He's on um, uh, Instagram, KD Knowledge Designs. KD Knowledge Designs. His website is knowledgedesigns.net. Uh, he actually sent me this shirt. He sent me the vote one I'm gonna wear it tomorrow. Uh, so let me just stand up. And so this is the full shirt right here, y'all. 
uh, vote like your ancestors died for it. Uh, so I appreciate, uh, appreciate uh, him uh, sending me the shirt. So again, if you go to uh, knowledgedesigns.net, you can you can take out, take, check out the shirt. All right, y'all. I was supposed to have my man Lorenz Tate on uh, as some other guests, y'all. We but the, but the Ice Cube conversation, I, it was too hot. I could not let that just end, and so we're gonna reschedule my homeboy Lorenz. So Lorenz, I'm gonna send you a text. My bad. But to everybody else, thank you for watching us, folks. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Uh, we're gonna have, of course, um, a recap uh, of the Joe Biden uh, town hall on ABC, and we might cover that fool on NBC. All right, I'll see y'all tomorrow. Holla! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.